0: The opinions expressed in the following program do not necessarily reflect those of our sponsors and are only those of the individual commentators. Viewer discretion is advised.
1: Good evening and welcome to The Rabin Report. I'm your host, Elliot Rabin, and with me is uh, my entire expert panel, Christina and Anna. How are you guys?
2: Good. How are you, Elliot?
1: I am good. How are you, Christina? I'm good. I mean, Anna.
3: <laughs> well, I feel good. I feel always happy when you say like expert panel. It makes me feel like in this topic, like I'm some kind of health specialist or economist. I or feel kind so sto- smart. <laughs> exactly. You know? Like, yeah. thank you, Elliot.
1: <laughs> well, anytime, you know, that's that's what I'm here for. I'm I'm here to to make you guys feel good about yourself and... You guys are experts, or the closest thing to experts I could get, so that's, that's where we are. Uh, but also joining the panel is a special guest, Hannah Solomon-Vegg. Hannah, thank you for being here.
0: Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor.
1: Uh, you, we, we actually know you through Nina, so thankfully we were able to get in contact and have you come on the show as well. So again, thank you.
0: I'm very excited for this can you
1: Can you tell us a little about yourself?
0: Absolutely. So my name is Hannah Solomon-Vey, and I'm completing my Bachelor in Music in Music Research at Western University. I'm also the president of the Pro-Life Club at Western University, and I have my own piano and theory studio.
1: Amazing. Um, Yeah, we were talking earlier uh, in the show that uh, my mom is also a, a music teacher, so... So we got we got a lot in common already yes uh, but coming up in 15 minutes we'll be talking about our main topic which is government lockdowns but first let's take a look at our top stories in our weekly recap starting with the US election 2020 check-in things are things are heating up while also calming down in the states We've got uh, Georgia, Georgia recount revealed some uncounted ballots. However, Trump still lost. Pennsylvania has certified their results. I, th- I believe Georgia now certified their results as well. And while Trump has yet to concede, the transition, te- transition team has agreed to start the, the process. So for that to happen, does that mean Trump is in his way conceding?
3: Uh, that's what indicates, actually, like if if the the transition is happening is because there is a certain level of acceptance from the U.S. president, uh, Donald Trump, in this case. And, you know, uh, honestly, at this point, this seems like an endless story. It seems like it it comes in seasons because every time we we learn something about the U.S. election of this year. But we will have to see what happened. Maybe he's saying too much, Trump, in front of the media. But in the backside, he's actually just like, you know, backstage, he's just like, well,
2: you know, this is what
3: it is.
1: Mm -hmm. Christina.
2: Yeah, I saw um, an article, I think it was maybe on the Star this morning, and it was... uh, I can't remember exactly what the title was, but it basically was just saying um, Trump is now uh, letting the Biden administration kind of um, not move in, but sort of start to uh, merge the two um, so that they can, I don't, I don't know what the exact wording was, but basically tr- I think Trump has accepted his defeat.
1: And Hannah, what do you think about all this?
0: Well, it definitely is very chaotic. It's hard to know what is true and what's happening and what's not what just conjecture and what actually you know is happening unfolding right now so um i mean we do know that there are still legal battles going on in different states um the vote um votes have not been decided in certain states and i mean the u.s election has not been called yet who is the winner so joe biden can't really say that he is um the vice uh, the president-elect I think we'll have to wait till those legal uh, battles are finished and the election is fully called to know what's going on. It'd be nice to have some finality, you know, either way. It's kind of hard when you don't really know what's happening or what to expect yet.
1: Well, you know, some would say that because Joe Biden has already won so many states that based on the Electoral College, which is the way to win in the states, that, that he won. You don't agree?
0: I would say... I mean, the whole mail-in ballot, um, the mail-in voting system, allowed for the possibility of tremendous voter fraud, and we just saw a lot of weird things happening. I mean, even on election night, I mean, his numbers were going up and going up, and then all of a sudden they're like, "Oh, we're going to stop counting now." And then we wake up the next morning, and he had even more electoral college. Joe Biden had even more electoral college votes, and then um, in uh, states that Trump was leading in, all of a sudden he wasn't leading anymore, and a lot of fishy things were happening. So I don't pretend to be an expert on, on what's happening there. Um, Um, But I mean, we have to wait until it actually is called to to know for sure what's happening so that the American people are respected and their votes are counted as they should be.
1: So you don't think that Joe Biden is the president? Do you think he's going to be? Let's assume that everything's counted. Do you think that he will be?
0: Okay, so it's very interesting. Um, I was about a week and a half ago when, uh, I think it was on a Saturday, when all the mainstream media all of a sudden at a coordinated time announced that um, Joe Biden was the projected winner. And everybody forgot about the word projected. That was clearly put in all the titles and in all the articles. And then everybody acted like, oh, he's the winner now. And, you know, he's the uh, president-elect. So he's still projected to win. It's not been decided yet.
1: Interesting. Uh, Christina and Anna, what do you think about that? Do you think that the fact that all those votes haven't been counted means that he shouldn't be declared the winner?
2: He, the thing is that, um, there's, there's no evidence and someone just commented, um, it was Marsha. She commented, no voter voter fraud has been found anywhere. Almost every lawsuit has been tossed out and we're, we're seeing now like even, even, um, his supporters like Fox news are getting sick of this rhetoric of him being, you know, uh, the, the, that the election was stolen from him. And these are people who support him who have just had enough because there's no evidence. Um, so I, I think, I mean, we, of course we probably shouldn't, um, just come to the conclusion and say, you know, he, he a hundred percent won, but, That's what it looks like. And there's no proof that that's not what, you know, what's going to happen.
1: Well, we're going to leave it there for now. Obviously next week, we're going to check in once again to the shit show. That is the United States election 2020, but let's move on to, uh, Kyle Rittenhouse who posted bail. He is, uh, accused of fatally shooting two people and wounding one during a demonstration on August 25th that followed the police shooting of Jacob Blake in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Uh, He had some major donors. It was a $2 million bail and $150,000 of it was donated by actor Ricky Schroeder and another portion, large sum of money, was donated by the MyPillow CEO Mike Lindell among the many high-profile donors. What's your reaction to this, guys? The fact that he killed these two people, he wounded one, and posted $2 million bail? Uh, what, what's your reaction to this?
2: Um, I'm sure uh, if you know me, my reaction is I'm furious. I know that he's, you know, people will make the argument he's a child. But I can tell you right now, I was, we were all 17 once. And I don't think any of us would have done something like that. So um, I have no sympathy for him. The fact that he posted bail and is out disgusts me. And I can't wait to see him go back to jail and rot there. Thanks. Well, I consider the opposite of Christina.
3: I actually wow. think he had, uh, I mean, I saw the videos of what happened. If someone comes and attack me and I have a gun to defend myself, I will defend myself. And I don't care the intention of other person, you are, har- you are doing harm against me, you are attacking me, I have the right to defend myself. Now, what happened is that he had a gun that he wasn't allowed to have. That's the main legal issue that is happening here. But you know, like if you see the, the entire environment that, that happened during that event, It was complete madness. It was literally bananas, like I have said before, because legit, it is super violent. It it involved a lot of uh, vandalism it involves also looting and don't get me wrong but it's like there there is this uh, if i'm not wrong it's florida the ones that they are pulling they're pushing a bill mm-hmm. to you know defend themselves using yeah, the guns. Stand your ground bill exactly if someone is looting and you know it's very simple don't want to die dude don't commit vandalism don't loot don't do crazy shit because otherwise you can't get killed
2: vandalism vandalism and looting should not lead to death I understand that it's a crime and you shouldn't be doing it but I don't know I don't know how you could justify murder over
3: for me property th- rights are sacred that's I, my that's is, my logic. I,
2: I don't I don't so I guess we disagree there I just don't think that there's you know if somebody's not I, I don't know like I, I would not say that there's grounds to shoot somebody. Um, because they vandalized your property there's there's other means of having those things resolved um, you know you can sue somebody you can th- these you, you can press charges against somebody so there's different things you can do the thing that I'm having a hard time understanding is he went to this protest with a rifle on him an assault weapon on his back uh, to say that to say that okay fine maybe it let's say it was self defense you've got a you've got an assault rifle on your back and you're you're scared you've got the most powerful weapon in the world and you're obviously not in the world but you know what i mean you've got you have the upper hand you have a rifle and to say that you can use like that's self defense sorry but you with a gun automatically have the upper hand and there's no reason to take two like this isn't just oh yeah he was defending himself whatever there was a lot of violence happening no these are two lives that are gone now okay but let's put it
3: in the other side you see me with a rifle myself would you approach me and attack me being a rational human being you wouldn't because of it's obviously that i can kill
2: you right but so but just but then that's but then that's now saying that it's the fault of the victim which isn't fair you, you can't say that yeah, sure. I personally wouldn't approach somebody with a rifle. I wouldn't approach somebody like I don't approach people who give me any kind of
0: bad vibe. Well, I want exactly. I, well, <laughs> but, I want
1: to hear. I want to hear Hannah's reaction okay. before we come back to you, Hannah.
0: Well, I would say I agree with Anna on on this topic. So, I mean, we have to look at the context. It was a tremendously uh, violent and chaotic BLM. Um, protest that was happening, and they were looting and rioting um, and burning down businesses, many of them which were black. And Kyle came there to defend um, some of the business owners, and he was personally attacked himself by three different people um, in very violent ways. And all three of the people who attacked him had criminal records. One of them, one of them had been in jail for 15 years. Um, And so he acted out of self-defense. Like I'm not, I'm not defending the fact that he killed them or anything like that. But he acted out of self-defense, and the whole circumstance is just unfortunate because when you know um, The police were not being able to properly deal with all the riots and the violence that was happening, then you have people with good hearts and good intentions that are coming to try to defend themselves and businesses that are being destroyed for stupid reasons Um, and then unfortunate things happen like that. So basically, you know, it's a system that's falling apart, but I believe that Kyle acted out of good intent to help protect the businesses. Exactly. That's
3: the only thing that I wanted to add. Why is people reacting this way in first place? Unfortunately, it's because the police has failed (laughs) to actually address all All the acts of vandalism that had taken place and the lootings like I read this article by by recent magazine and it's one of the best articles that I have read regarding uh, Minneapolis. No, sorry, Minnesota, that basically he says like this police enforcement, they felt once when they killed this man, George Floyd in a way that it shouldn't happen at all. And then it fell twice because they let people do uh, like reorders,
0: do whatever they want. Well, I mean, I would say a lot of the police have tried to do what they should be doing and that's defending and keep defending innocent people and keeping law and order. But with the whole defund the police movement, that's exactly. created a very toxic environment against police officers and they're not able to do their job properly.
2: That's part of the problem. I totally agree. Christina? Um... I don't know. I don't see I don't see how you can defend it. I don't care. listen, if you're if you are attacking me physically, I understand. That's not what happened here. Uh, this is a 17 year old child who had access to a rifle for so in the first place, he shouldn't have even been able to access that gun. Um, and now, it just the, the the fact that this that this kind of thing, I don't know. I I, I just I just I,
0: I don't know why people are not equally or more upset about but all the violence that the BLM rioters and protests have done and the amount not, of, of, not of, of damage people, they've done and killing are, people too. People
2: are not not mad about that, but but you can't. We're letting somebody off the hook for killing two people, and I, you know, and I think plenty of people are angry about the vandalism, about the violence, about the deaths that have resulted from these protests. Nobody's saying that this violence is good, but to just. Throw this like away as self-defense. I just I don't and I don't understand.
1: We are gonna have to move on because it's already we're already. Uh, we need a an past episode
2: 10. based on <laughs> this only. Yeah. Wow,
1: good hmm. episode idea. You looking into the future? Yes. I don't know. Well, lastly, we have to do a quick coronavirus update, uh, which is part of the the subject of our main story. Which uh, another record fifteen hundred over 1,500 cases in Ontario, and there's been a lockdown declared for Toronto and PO. We're not going to talk about whether the lockdown is worth it or not right now, but what do you guys think about the soaring cases?
0: Well, we're having increased testing, and um, COVID is becoming less deadly. And um, even though we have cases, the death rate is becoming tremendously low, and it's not, COVID is not um, posing you know, nearly as much danger as it did to people in the beginning.
1: Interesting. And Anna?
3: Well, we have a second lockdown. We don't know what is going to happen. Like My forecast is that people are going to struggle more because on top of that, we're entering the winter season. So many activities that people could do outdoors, they are not able to do it. Now they're going to be confined in their homes, which mm-hmm. is sad. Well, But we are going to discuss that further.
1: Yeah, exactly. We're going to discuss that further. Uh, so now let's move on to our main topic, which is government lockdown see i got it right this time thank god we're in york region because let me just get that there we go thank god we're in york region because york region was excluded from the latest round of lockdown orders imposed by the ontario provincial government Toronto and Peel region have moved into near-total lockdown with all non-essential businesses having to shut their doors, including, but not limited to, hair salons, clothing stores, and even photography studios. That's why Elliot Ram Productions is in Vaughan. Part of the restrictions include no indoor organized public events and social gatherings, except with members of the same household, meaning if we were just south of Steeles Avenue, five minutes away, this show wouldn't be possible. So, With these new measures taking effect just yesterday, we thought it'd be the perfect time to discuss them right here on The Rabin Report. Do lockdowns work? What is the economic toll of such measures? And most importantly, how do they affect the people they're supposed to protect? Tonight, we find out. And just a reminder to our viewers that we are live on Facebook, so make sure to comment on our feed to have your thoughts read live on air. Guys, let's begin. Do lockdowns actually work? Hannah?
0: I would say they don't work, and the first lockdown didn't work, so why have a second one?
1: Well, very concise answer. Anna, do you agree with Hannah, or do you disagree?
3: Well, I think the first uh, lockdown, in a certain way, lowered down the cases. At least that was my perception. Maybe you have different data and numbers, and I would like to see that, but from my point of view, it, it actually had an effect.
0: Well, I would say, so... It's, it's funny how th- one thing can morph into something else and something else. And we don't really uh, remember what the purpose of a lockdown was in the beginning. So in the beginning, back in March, it was just for two weeks to prevent the hospitals from being overwhelmed. It was not even to slow the spread or anything like that. And then just kept being extended and extended and extended. Um, and so I understand, like, you know, not wanting the hospitals to be overwhelmed or stuff like that, but that never happened. And it never was even near that, even when things reopened. Um, and now currently um, COVID-19 patients are using less than 2% of Ontario's hospital beds and less than two percent of icu capacity so it doesn't really make sense um to go into another lockdown gain, especially in these regions where um, when the ontario government released statistics about how COVID is spreading in peel toronto and ottawa uh schools and uh, long-term care homes were the greatest um area where COVID was spreading and those places are still opening open because they're government facilities but everything else is shut down including restaurants um and gyms where it was two or three percent or less um, of Mm -hmm. the amount of COVID cases were coming from there
2: well i don't think you can really shut down long-term care facilities well
1: i'm well they were in a sense they were shut down because the visitor oh, visitation this, stopped right. yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. for a long mm-hmm. time the visitation was still happening but now they've been stopped yeah. and there were some huge outbreaks in the beginning of the the pandemic in march but now there's still there there are retirement retirement homes that are having outbreaks right now so
2: i think one thing with that is those are it's kind of inevitable when you look at this, and and I think we've come to learn that it, this doesn't just affect one population, but it does. Uh, one population, elderly, are at a higher risk, right, of um, becoming very ill or dying from this illness. So I think it makes it makes sense that we're seeing it in long term care facilities or retirement homes. Uh,
1: but but going back to the original question, do you think do you agree with uh, with Hannah that they don't work, and do you agree with with Anna that it didn't work both of them that it didn't work or do you agree with Hannah that it didn't work in March
2: it worked in March I think
1: you think yeah why
2: um I think we did see cases go down um by the end of and I know things started to open up in the summer but I think by the end of the summer we were seeing pretty low numbers um and yeah no I I think I think we yeah we saw numbers go down um hospitals were clearing up and i i just think that it was a good move and i think we saw a lot of positive benefits from that lockdown um but maybe maybe this second one there's some uh kinks that need to be worked out
1: hannah you don't think the first one worked even though the numbers did decline so why why do you think that is
0: okay well so i would say um we have to go back to, I mean, not even did do, do lockdowns work and did the first lockdown work. It says does the government have a right to put us all under house arrest. That's the ultimate question. So if you look at the Emergencies Act um, from 1985, which was the first thing the government used to lock us down, um, the words special temporary measures are repeated in there many, many times. And it says that um, whatever acts the government does have to be subject to the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms and the Canadian Bill of Rights and must have regard to the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights particularly with respect to those fundamental rights that are not to be limited or abridged even in a national emergency. So as we've seen like uh, in the first lockdown and now in the second one in various areas, um, all of people's Charter of Rights and Freedoms have been uh, taken away, like the freedom of assembly, freedom of... um, mobility um you know their medical rights their bodily autonomy all these different types of things so potentially at the beginning when we didn't know how contagious covid was um and i think it's unfortunate that every country basically except sweden followed china's example um but maybe at the beginning um could be justified for a short period of time but basically all of the lockdowns now are absolutely unconstitutional and we're going to start to see the legal battles starting in courts now i've already started but especially this weekend with i know certain churches are going to be staying open to certain businesses are like this is we've had enough you know you've destroyed You know,
3: that's that's what concerns me regarding this second lockdown. And the reason is because I think that now... People are not going to take it like they did in the beginning. Like People are going to start feel tired. People are going to start challenging the government. And honestly for me, that's human nature. That certainly just starts happening. It happens in Italy some weeks ago. uh, I saw some news, European news, about how in some Italian cities people started to protest. People started to violently react to the government putting another um, lockdown on them. So that's something that concerns me about this second lockdown because I can expect some challenges for for the government now.
0: Yep.
1: Christina.
2: Um, okay, wait, can we, is there, there, there was a lot of um, back and forth there. Is there like, a, there was a specific question so that you started you,
1: with? you brought up the fact, Hannah, that you believe that the government is infringing on mm-hmm. the rights of people. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, Do you, wh- why, do you agree?
2: Um, I think I, I'd agree to some extent when you look at look at it by definition, a lot of things that have been happening during this pandemic are um, infringements on our, you know our, our individual rights. Um, however, I think I think we need to understand that or we need to accept some exceptions when it comes to um, a worldwide pandemic where people are becoming so severely ill, and people are dying, I think we have a responsibility as a society to get things under control because um, I I could be, you know, other people may not feel the same way, but I care about more than just myself. I care about the health of, you know, everybody around me and my loved ones and people I don't know. I I don't want people dying from this disease. Uh, Death is inevitable. It's gonna happen, but if we can stop, this is not a pleasant way to go out. This is not a pleasant illness to have. Um, so I do think that we need to give up some of our, um, you know, like you don't want to wear a mask, for example, maybe just suck it up because at the end of the day, it's going to be beneficial.
1: Well, some people would say suck it up, then you lose your, your freedom and your, you know, just, just follow what they say blindly, some people would say that. How do you
2: well? I can justify I can, it. I can see that too, and I've I've heard that argument. You know, somebody these people higher up are telling you to put a mask on, and you just do it because you're scared, and there's there's a lot of fear behind all of it.
1: Do you think the lockdowns increase the fear and severity of the situation?
2: A hundred percent. And I think we I think it is a severe situation, um, but definitely, if, you know, if the government's telling you don't leave the house unless it's essential, or um, avoid certain places, avoid certain people, and it's it definitely, it's definitely scary. And locking us down definitely contributes to the fear of COVID.
1: Now, now in regards to that fear, uh, again, Hannah, you said that governments shouldn't have that right. So, what is that, what kind of control does the government have when they impose these lockdowns? And clearly, as as we've heard from Christina, it increases the fear of people is there is that the intent of the government to to purposely increase the fear or do you think they're doing it for the sake of public safety
0: that's a good question so i mean The Charter of Rights and Freedoms and the Constitution uh, were created as governing principles for our country, and they are meant to keep the government in check, not the Canadian people. So whatever the government does, you know, with laws and and regulations and everything like that, um, they have to be able to be um, subject to the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. And if they um, unduly um, violate any of the sections in the Charter of Rights and Freedoms or unduly violate any of our rights and freedoms, they have to give a reason for why they're doing it and they have to justify it and it has to be able to be held up in court Um, so that's uh, an important thing to think about and also the fact is I mean I, I, I think the argument that oh you know just be compassionate well if we look at the numbers like I I absolutely care for older people I mean everybody does we all care for Uh, those in our lives, especially those who are older. um, But if we look at the COVID-19 deaths here in Canada or those who have been attributed to COVID-19, it's about 11,521. But at the same time, so far this year, Canada has had 111,600 deaths. So 1,000% more deaths caused by drug overdoses, canceled surgeries, delayed cancer diagnoses, and other conditions worsened by the negative impacts of lockdowns.
1: Well, we are going to get to the uh, health, the mental, physical health of uh, the effect of lockdown a little later in the show, but, you know, that's that's an interesting point. But y- you mentioned the amount of deaths, right? There's a significant difference between the amount of deaths in Canada versus the states that didn't really have a lockdown in the beginning. And and then they decided, okay, it's okay. Trump's administration was going to rallies, doing all these things. And Canada hunkered down and had a lockdown. And, you know, we, we had a severe difference in the amount of cases. So, That amount of deaths, wouldn't you say that that's a result of the lockdowns?
0: Uh, that's another good question so i mean it's not just whether the government's locked down or not it's also what the condition of the healthcare was in their state or um the condition of their hospitals the resources everything like that and it's interesting if you look at the states who had the strictest lockdown measures so new york and california they also had the highest rate of covid deaths um i know that also had to do with density and things like that um and people's age but um i think that the way um especially with governor cuomo in new york and how he put um people um so um he had a, a basically like a guideline or, or whatever that um people from retirement homes if they got covid and they went to the hospital they had to go back to their retirement home and basically infect the whole place and he's responsible for thousands of deaths as a result and then if you look at uh, governor christy Noam of um um oh my goodness which is her state again um, pennsylvania north carolina i think okay um Oh, yes. Anyway, um, so one of the uh, more spacious states. Anyway, um, Governor Kristi Noem, though, she's a huge example of giving the people the knowledge and um, giving them the information of what's going on and letting them... Basically putting in small guidelines, but letting them be adults and make their own decisions for themselves.
1: Well, Tanya actually agrees with you in one sense. She says that uh, lockdowns cause more deaths than the virus because... People are, you know, it comes back to the health and everything. But but you said that the lockdown causes more COVID-related deaths than, than non-locking it down. Why? Why do you say that?
0: No, I'm just saying that, um, no, we've seen more deaths from other things because of canceled surgeries, because of suicides, because of overdoses, everything like that. In okay. some provinces, they've had more deaths from overdoses and suicides than COVID.
1: Okay, so let's move on then to the to the economic impact of lockdowns. So... The lockdown happened in March. There's a new lockdown in Toronto and Peel. Those are the facts. Now let's examine what the effects are. You know, how have businesses been affected? Specifically a small business and 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 how have large businesses prospered? What's
3: well, that depends on the industry. When it comes to the business, right? Like, for example, a business that specializes on doing masks or in doing <laughs> uh, hand sanitizers or in that kind of industry, of course, they're thriving. Like these people are, like I don't know, probably throwing money into there. But other small businesses, like for example I went to this uh, because I, I was preparing myself so I went to the beauty salon this weekend so
1: you were hoarding <laughs>
3: so so and and I was like oh you know I'm gonna miss you to a lady who does the training oh, and I, stuff I thought and, you
1: were gonna say that to the makeup I was like
2: no <laughs> no
3: no 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 and, and she was like don't worry it's only it's only 28 days.
0: And, and well, that's what the government said, said every single time. Exactly,
3: <laughs> and, and I look at, and, and what I thought yeah. was like, wow, these people are really relying that this will last. during this, this is period how it's going to be. And yeah. honestly, I'm sceptical. Because the last time they said it's only for this time and we saw how they extended and extended and extended. And to be honest, so many small businesses, they barely made it to the last lockdown. Well,
1: that's, that's the next thing that, I, that I'm curious. Why is it that uh, major shopping centers like Walmart and Costco are allowed to stay open, but small businesses that can actually control the amount of people in their stores, they, they can literally say one person at a time, why, why are they forced to close?
2: it i i can't i can't explain why but it's so sad to see all these small businesses that are supporting a family or supporting a community are being shut down and then that business you know people who maybe shop at these stores are now being forced to go to the bigger um big box stores yeah big box stores like like you said costco walmart whatever and so people who would maybe typically shop at small businesses or local businesses are now being pushed and forced to, to use these big supply chains. And
1: doesn't that go against the 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 movement of people to support small business, yeah, get course, rid of the corporate of world? I
3: think that the the way they, they approach this is because Costco and Walmart, they sell essential like needs, you know, like products, like food, for example. So that's why they remain open.
1: Well, well, the Bay actually had a lot of backlash downtown. The Bay at the Young and Queen, they remained open because according to them, they sold groceries. So they were considered an essential service. Now They don't, they, they they don't they clo- sell
2: groceries. That's the thing.
1: Well, they, they closed. Closed now after a lot of backlash, but but again, there are other small places that smell that smell spell (laughs) sell (sighs) Doctor Seuss today apparently (laughs) that sell groceries and essential goods. Again, why is it that these big stores have the right to be open when they actually can't control how many people are there? I mean, they can control
2: because they benefit the economy and they put money into... But doesn't small business benefit
1: the economy? Sure,
2: but they're not bringing in the kind of money that Costco is or that Walmart is. Don't you I think, think it also depends it's on... It's a problem, it, but I'm not saying that that's not a problem. It's a huge issue, but all they see is money, right? Uh, to be honest, I wouldn't close Costco or Walmart
3: once because they sell a lot of affordable things for many families, especially Costco. Second, they are employing a lot of people. I know a lot of people that they they told me, you know what, I don't want to rely on a government program. I don't want to receive money for doing nothing. So they actually went to work for Costco. And the problem here is why do you have to shut down small businesses that are also selling essential products? So what is the right uh, approach? Don't, uh, don't um, stop or close down these small businesses. That's the approach that I will take.
1: Now, Hannah, you are a music teacher. How did this closure... Uh, do you live in Toronto or Peel?
0: Uh, No, so I live in London, but I mean, obviously I was affected by the first lockdown. Um, I mean, I don't think there's anybody, whether they own a business or not, who's not been deeply impacted by the lockdowns. But yeah, I mean, um, obviously for, I guess for me, it affected me like on a little bit lesser scale because I just had to move my students online. Um, But yeah, I mean, some students have, you know, I have students who are coming in person now and it's wonderful, but some students are still online and um, they're very worried about the virus. And, you know, I don't know when we'll be able to have in-person recitals again. And honestly, it just breaks my heart, Um, you know, like one of my students, she's 12, years old and you know she goes to school and she's going to school with many people every day but she still doesn't feel comfortable coming you know for a piano because her parents are trying to limit how many people she sees and you know she told me she's like I'm so afraid of dying from the virus I'm like I can promise you like 99% chance you're not going to die from the virus and honestly I, I find it so sad how the media has you know stirred up absolute hysteria and it If we just look at the facts, they don't they don't support that. So um, but I mean, for big government, um, the bigger the government gets, the more it just they pad their own pockets and they support, you know, basically corporate bailouts, corporate welfare, everything like that. And it's always the little person. It's always small businesses who lose out by big government.
1: So you would obviously agree then that it's a problem that these big businesses are allowed to stay open. Um, And the small ones. Well, I don't think it's a
0: problem that they're allowed to stay open. I think it's a problem that small businesses have to shut down. And the government doesn't have the right to tell anybody whether they're essential or not. If anything, I mean, the government needs to, you know chill out and to have time out. Like, honestly, the government, it's, just, it's not a blob of unidentifiable things. It's people who we elected to represent us. So that's like giving someone your wallet to go to a store and buy one thing and they buy the entire store. And it's like, well, sorry, you gave me your wallet. That's what the government's done with the trust that we've given them.
2: And I think we maybe need to reevaluate what the government's definition of an essential business is because there's a lot of things that have had to close down that are essential. And that, um, that's mm-hmm.
1: exactly where I was going mm-hmm. after you mentioned essential services. Mm-hmm. Hannah, and now that you mention it, Christina, what constitutes an essential service, and how does the government uh, have a have a right, or how do they define
2: it? Well, they're they're also telling people what is and what isn't essential, and there's things are different things are essential to different people, yes. um, and I, and I don't think I, I agree that we need to limit our contact with people, and that we do need to um, I do think in certain circumstances it's it's good for us to close, you know. To close, not I don't want to say close businesses because I know that sounds bad. This, these are people's livelihoods, but I understand the reasoning behind it. It's to limit contact. It's to limit the spread, um, and so I understand. But the government has decided essential is what? Like the new, the new essential things are grocery, LCBO. Mm-hmm, I know the LCBO is an essential service.
1: Apparently, weed, is not, weed because- is
2: not though. And very essential. Weed is not. Very
3: essential, because every time I go to, I pass by the LCBO near my home, there is a big line. It reminds me of Venezuela, imagine. Yes. It's true.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you, what do you think of that? The fact that LCBO, uh, the fact that LCBO uh, is an essential service?
0: Well, I think especially now with churches being shut down again, and, and, you know, appeal and, and, um, uh, Toronto. Toronto yeah Toronto and then Ottawa uh, yeah it's amazing you can be jammed in 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 blahs, you can be jammed in you know lining up for loblaws but you can't be spread out in church and and or you know your synagogue or wherever your place of worship is you know um so like Christina said that you know Everybody has their own things that are essential to them. and That could be their one thing you took away for them. Like even like OTC Toronto, the the gym that's been in the news a lot. It was just devastating. You know, they had followed all the protocols and many restaurants. They had created outdoor dining centers. They had got all the plexiglass and all that. They was told they could reopen and Doug Ford went to OTC Toronto and he's like, oh, we're going to allow you to reopen and all that. And they're like, oh, good. And then he puts them in a red zone and then he completely locks them down and now they're going out of business.
1: Now, we actually had a you know, uh, a restaurant that defied orders today, Adamson Barbecue in Etobicoke defied orders. They had indoor dining and, you know, the cops were called. And after that, there was a huge line for for their food. So Good in a sense, move. yeah, in, <laughs> in a sense, the backlash and potentially the fine that they have to pay worked in their favor. Um, again, restaurants control people who, you uh, who dine inside and you know when the new lockdown was or the first lockdown was removed they said that every restaurant Mm -hmm. has to track who goes in there so why are restaurants not considered essential i mean they're allowed takeout and curbside pickup delivery but you're not allowed to to dine inside
0: i would say why for yeah uh, um, adamson um grill like i've been following that story today like why was it safe to sit in his restaurant yesterday but not today I mean, like, so is the magic, you know, cut off. And also with the curfews that are being, you know, instated in some states. um, It's like, honestly, so many of our government officials have become super um, superstitious, to be honest. Like, you know, COVID is this like magic ghost that only comes out at certain times and only in certain places, right? Um, Like, I understand, you know, they're trying to do, you know, what they can to make sure they, you know, they're on the ball and stuff like that. But basically we have to remember with politicians, they're always thinking about what's gonna elect them for their next term. How are they gonna be popular? How are their, you know, um, popularity um, statistics doing? And also with the unelected health officials that are also having a massive voice, um, they have never been affected once by any of the um, pay cuts that we have taken or the jobs we've lost. Same thing with the politicians. They haven't lost, um, you know, a dollar in their salary. I think that if they were losing the amount of money in proportion to what we have, they wouldn't be doing any of these things. Because basically, if someone's, you know, deciding things for you in your life that don't affect them at all, um, you better be, you know, better think twice about that.
3: Yeah, actually, I was just reading uh, about the economic impact in Canada and just when it comes mm-hmm. to the new federal spending, they are going to add mm-hmm. one hundred forty-six billions to the debt of the spending.
1: And, the, you know, the spending, I'm going to come back mm-hmm. to you, how have the CERB, the CESB, and the CRB programs affected uh, this, this economic downfall, I should say?
3: Yeah, like, just the Nominal GDP of Canada is expected to fall 12%. And, you know, these these are crazy levels. And and to be honest, I, I don't know where the government is getting the money anymore. They're printing it. Exactly. That's what I'm afraid of. That's yeah. what I'm afraid of because that will go, will translate to inflation in mm-hmm. the future. Yes. And believe me, I know how mm-hmm. hyperinflation looks like. You yeah. don't want it in your
1: life. Yeah, you're talking about what's going on in Venezuela? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so w- what do you think about that? Uh, uh, what do you guys think about not only the economic, the, the effect that the Serb has on the economy, but on the workforce? Has it made people say, you know what? Trudeau's giving me money. I don't have to, to go to work anymore. Or do you think people are saying, you know what? I'm going to get money from Trudeau. I'm going to go to work and I'm going to have double the income. What What has been the reaction to that?
2: I think we we kind of touched on this in our in our first COVID um, episode and or no it wasn't that it was the uh, the coronavirus part two? the or UBI maybe the UBI yes. yeah, yeah. We, we okay discussed. yeah yeah so um, I think that there there's there is probably. S- th- Studies have been done where people who receive universal basic income, which is different than CERB, but let's kind of make a comparison. Yeah. I um, mean, in a
1: sense, it's similar to it universal is, basic it is. So
2: if you make the comparison, there's, there's a lot of places where there's no evidence of it actually affecting the workforce. This, I feel, is a different circumstance because the workforce kind of has to, you know, like if you're receiving universe or UBI, then that's not necessarily... That's during a time where we're not going through a pandemic, but in this scenario, um, I think it's something that we we need because people are out of work. People are being forced out of their jobs too, um, not not on their by their own will. You know, I think a lot of people, um, unless they're you know they they have um, some kind of health condition where they where they can't expose themselves to the virus, I think a lot of people wish that they could still be out there working and making their own income. I think we have. We're, you know, I think Canadians are very prideful. Canadians are hardworking people, and I and I do believe that people would be working if they could. So I can see where it's definitely a system that's being abused, um, but it is essential um, for these workers who you know are out of out of a job.
1: And let's talk about let's go further into these workers because the the key here, and I think the most important part of this discussion is the effect on. People, the physical mm-hmm. and mental health of the the people that are under these lockdowns, that are uh, you know suffering under this pandemic. How have people's mental health been affected? Because you know there are a lot more suicides happening now that the lockdowns are happening. Um, people aren't able to say go pray, which mm-hmm. is to them an essential service. Uh, what do you guys What do you guys think? How have you guys been affected?
2: I think I'll just say that I think I think a lot of people who maybe even haven't experienced mental health problems in the past are probably experiencing it now because of the isolation and the, the, you know, you're being forced to stay away from people you love and forced to stop doing things that you enjoy. So I think there's people who are experiencing things that they never experienced before. In my own personal circumstance, I do suffer from mental illness and um, thank God for my medication keeping me stable. But I can say that I've seen, I have seen my own personal, um, you know, I'm not in the the greatest place of my life because I, you know, I, I'm lucky enough that I that I get to, you know, be with my family and my boyfriend, but, you know, there's people who I, you know, friends and other family that I love and I wish I could see, and it's definitely taking a toll on my mental health, and I wish I could go and do things, you know, does it enjoy help, myself.
1: Does it help you? Does it help your mental health being able to come do the show?
2: Oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, for me, it does. Like, I live alone, my basically. O- yeah, this is, like, the one time a week where I'm out of the house, you know?
3: Yeah, like, interacting with people out of the computer. So, yeah, actually, I was just looking at some data in the U.S. In the U.S., the lockdown hasn't been as bad as in here. And, for example... Uh, anxiety disorders, they were three times higher uh, than in the na- to, uh, 2019. And also symptoms of depression were four times higher than in 2019. And also in New York only, the Google searches increased for phrases like anxiety, panic attack, and insomnia. So, yeah, wow. like it also increased drug
2: use. Uh, yeah, and people... Yeah, the drug use is bad because now people are oh, what what people who are addicted to drugs are now given this opportunity to, with more free time and less thing and less things you know less responsibility. That means more drug and alcohol abuse.
1: Now, part of the part of mental health and allowing people to be mentally healthy is going to the gym. Hannah, you mentioned that earlier. Gyms are are point zero zero one percent uh the that's the rate of of spread at a gym so do you think that they should be considered an essential service and be allowed to stay open
0: well absolutely i mean i'll go back and say i believe everything should be open but i mean the government should never have shut gyms down in in the first place and i would say that you know existing is not living Okay. And it's very interesting is we've seen a lot of our politicians and health officials, you know, um, you know Doug Ford at you know Stan Cho's wedding, you know, no mask on, shaking hands, all of them like yep, that. I saw
1: that. Yeah.
0: Dr. Fauci, you know, in the baseball stadium with his friends on either side, no mask on, you know, Nancy Pelosi at the hair salon, um, you know, um, Patty Hadjou flying back home to see her family eight times during the pandemic. If you want to know how serious the virus is and how deadly it is, just look at how our politicians are acting behind closed doors. Um, so that will tell you that we have really nothing to fear about it I would say, um, but you know if you want to um, you know focus on those who are most affected by COVID is seniors right, um, and if we look at the um, numbers so during the first wave of the pandemic and up to the end of May, um, the uh, people in long term care facilities and retirement homes accounted for more than eighty percent of all COVID deaths in the country, um, and so not only um, you know they were they you know. In in the first place, you know, they're near their um, last stages of life. So family want to visit them. They want to be with them and everything like that. So they're not only dying from COVID, but they're dying in isolation, which is a terrible way to die. Well, so you,
1: you, you said that politicians are treating it like it's not happening. How, why, why is that? Why is it fair that these politicians are traveling to their homes, traveling to see family, going to weddings, and yet we're, we're under lockdown?
2: Because they're above the law are they they're not but they I mean when when have you ever seen a politician follow the rules or if they break them they get away with it every single time so not surprised so then
1: going back to um, whether you think this lockdown is worth it Another way to see what people think of the lockdown is through the poll that we asked our, our viewers, and we didn't mention it in the beginning, but we are going to right now. The question we asked was, do you support government lockdowns? And Christina, what were the results?
2: Okay, so on Instagram, um, of all the votes, we had 51% said yes and 49% said no. On Facebook, we had 25% say yes and 75% said say no. So we always see this, that there's like a difference in Instagram and Facebook responses. But, um,
1: but Instagram is very interesting because it's so, it's so 50 50. Yeah. And then then Facebook Facebook is
2: so polarizing. It's like drastically different.
1: So, you know, this takes us to kind of the future. And when do you guys think this lockdown will be over? And on the other hand, do you think that York Region is going to be in lockdown next?
3: My region is in lockdown already, Toronto. So,
1: no, York Region. Yeah, like, like, York like, Region. Like where oh, we are.
3: I, I have no idea. I, I honestly think it's going to be soon because everything is like following the same pattern, right? So, it will be just a matter of weeks, I would say, probably even next week, I would guess. And how long are we going to be this way? I think we're going to have a sad Christmas Eve for those that celebrated.
1: Why, why is that, though? Why is it that you're allowed to go to Costco, you're allowed to go to Walmart, but you, you're, you're restricted to be with the people of your own household? So, in a sense, does that mean you can take your whole family to Costco, grab a tree, and just sit around it and say, Merry Christmas? That's what I
3: guess that we're going to do. Good idea, actually. <laughs>
1: That's what I'm here for. Um, shalom. So wh- wh- what do you think about that, Hannah? The fact that, like, like are you guys going to defy restrictions, celebrate with family?
0: I would say the government has no place in in my house in my bedroom like I mean I'm, I'm so shocked so many Canadians are like you know f the government I can do whatever I want in every area of their life and I want freedom I want choice and then now they're like oh we must obey absolutely everything you know the government says you know including Dr. Tam saying um, you know what we have to do during sex and everything like that like how dare they I mean how how arrogant can you get so I think the lockdowns will uh, continue until enough people push back and until enough court um, battles ensue and the government's put back in their place and I just want to also say you know i'm not against government i believe in small government i'm heavily involved in politics myself so it's not like oh they're terrible and i'm good you know but um we have to keep the people that we elected accountable
3: yeah i agree with that and you know now that you mentioned that i think that a lot of people are going to continue with their celebrations during the holiday but you know behind doors secretly and what what concerns me about it is the police mentality that some people started to develop during the previous lockdown. Like, some of them were calling the police, like, hey, you know, I think my neighbor is is meeting with a lot of people out of the household.
2: Like, dude, people, why? Can, my, like, I, I, I understand I mean, I guess, the concern.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's you a, know? There's also a difference, though, if it's like a 40-person party right. in Brampton versus, you know, Getting you're, the you're,
2: cops called because there's one extra car in your exactly. driveway. Like... I, I and that's the thing. I do. I do think that as a community, we have a responsibility to look out for ourselves and those around us. Um, but there, there definitely people think that they now have have the, the right to yeah the authority to you know. Uh, and I'm gonna. I'll just admit it. I get so un- like and I, I'm I this whole thing has given me so much more anxiety than I already have. And if somebody is beside me in an aisle and their mask is like below their nose, I start freaking out and I inch away from them. And I'm like so tempted to tell them to pull it up over their nose. But I, I don't because I'm, you know, whenever I'm not gonna say anything, but the fact that like, you know, all this fear around and around it, like even I find myself wanting to tell people like how to wear their masks when it's not
0: my not my job to, because in a suppressed society, the only way the suppressed people think that they have a little bit of freedom is if they can snitch and tell other people what to do. So it gives you like a false sense of like more authority when you're oppressed yourself, which is super sad.
1: That's a very Damn. interesting interesting way of putting it.
0: I guess I'm oppressed.
1: Yeah, you uh, are. We are.
0: Uh, at this point, we're, we're all. <laughs> so, yeah.
1: We're all we're all oppressed. So, uh, you know, do you guys think that this lockdown? First of all, will be only 28 days. And second... Wh- wow, you're already shaking your heads. Let me get no. that on. Uh, <laughs> uh, and do you think that it's actually going to be worth it?
2: It's not going to be 28 days because they said that last time and it wasn't 28 days. So I don't believe them. That's all. Yeah. Uh, that
3: summarized my opinion too. Like they, they say the last time that it was going to be... S- this certain amount of dates and they just continue extending, extending, and, and you know, it's, it's going to happen. Lucky for the people who doesn't have annoying uh, neighbors and can meet in their house and invite friends. In my case, I live in a condo and even the security person is like, now you're not allowed to to have this amount of people. And if I bring someone else, they, they phone me. like
2: legit, so And they can you, call the police. If you go up to your apartment with somebody, they will tell you no? Yeah. Okay. Like, n- No. See, crazy Be- Because the other thing is, I know that they say that you're only supposed to see people in your household, but aren't there exceptions? Like if it's somebody like a caregiver or somebody there, that you there, need-
1: I believe there are exceptions. Okay, yes. so how
2: do they know? How well, do they know you're not? It's not somebody who's ha- taking care of you. For example, last that's Friday, I had some friends,
3: and the the restriction was maximum ten people per apartment, and my friends were like five, and then I receive a phone call. You are now not allowed to have ten people in your apartment. You are you are only allowed to have like seven, and it's like and they're counting, and it's like insane. Like the thing dude. is that's
2: your that's your space that you're paying for. That is your so that's the thing. I understand telling people not to do it, but since but now we can just because you live in a building
0: now they can tell you what you can and
2: can't do in your own apartment that you're paying for that exactly you, it is your property
0: well i would say whatever happened to my body my choice does that only apply in the case of abortion like what about what what about everything else so i think um it's it's sad like i just use this analogy all the time it just say that you know you had a friend and they had a you know a boyfriend who was super abusive and told them you have to stay in your home forever you have to wear a mask if you go out you have to That's do this you can't thing. go see somebody else you can't do this if they if he controlled every aspect of her life you'd be like oh my goodness my friend isn't serious Travel, we need to get help for her. But just because it's the government, it's okay. And and I think that you know we naturally you know defer to authority in some ways because we're like they know more stuff like that. But whatever happened to us? What whatever happened to our own brains and does, our own rational abilities to, to evaluate
3: the information that we're given by the government? I know that we're close to finish, but
2: domestic abuse, mm-hmm. domestic
3: yes. abuse has yes. increased. People, there are yes. so
2: many women, and I'm sure men too, that are stuck in abusive relationships yep. that they can't get out of because of this lockdown. They can't move mm-hmm. because you know there aren't there aren't uh, apartment showings or whatever happening right now uh they're not working so they don't have the financial stability to do so uh this all these things have have been shut down now there's all these these people who are stuck being abused um and and, and apparently the abuse uh the these women have, and men have been abused mm-hmm. in the past. So they've been in long-term abusive relationships, but the lockdown has caused the abuse to be more severe. Yeah. Crazy. Yep. Well, no. I do
1: want to no. mention that uh, a great organization is the Elspeth Hayward Center for Women, for women in, oh, there goes my camera, uh, <laughs> women in uh, abusive relationships mm-hmm. and such. They are, um, you know, uh, it's, it's a great organization uh, uh, go ahead, uh, uh, Hannah, tell us about, um, again, you know, we had a comment from, from Jake Benaim. Christina, you want to read the comment?
2: Yeah, so I actually really like this comment. So he said, we can have reasonable discourse on best health slash safety practices, but calling health professionals arrogant for doing their job and telling us what activities pose an increased risk in virus transmission is a bit of a stretch. How do you respond?
0: Well, I would say they're they're learning um, just as much as we are, right? They obviously have more information in some cases than we do, um, but they're you know every day they're changing. Oh, wear a mask, and oh, don't wear a mask, or do this, or don't that, don't do that. So it's changing all the time. Um, so. This virus was new. I mean, obviously, it's more... We know it more than we did at the beginning, but um, they were just receiving the information just like we were. And I understand that they have degrees and everything like that, but they have to be held accountable and we have to think about who's lobbying them. Why are they doing what they're doing? um, And we have to listen to the doctors and the nurses who are speaking up from so many hospitals, saying the hospitals are empty. I have a very close family member who works at one of the largest hospitals in Toronto. um, And she said the the ICU was never um, overrun. And um, basically, um, they're dealing with so many other um, illnesses and, and regular surgeries and all that and there's practically no covid people there so if they're silencing the regular doctors and nurses on the floors in the hospitals um, we have to question um, the health officials who are just sitting in their ivory towers telling us this and that and whatever yeah,
2: and, I, and i think another uh, just to, to add to that we we can we see examples of where they misled us mm-hmm. already yep. right like they were saying you don't need to wear a mask back in february and now you now it's literally a law that you have to. So I I, I do understand that. I think I, I think what I like about Jake's point is like we obviously I don't think any of us here have, you know a medical education. And I, I do think we need to put some trust into these people. Um, but they do need to recognize the mistakes they've made. Um, if they've misled us, if they've given us misinformation, they do need to be held accountable for that,
0: which they're um, refusing to be held accountable. It, of for. Of course,
2: but of course they are. They, it, it doesn't surprise me. That's what, that's what always happens with these things. But um, I think that we, I, I do put my trust in them. Um, maybe i'll be skeptical about certain little things like yeah, because but but for the most part like i i myself am not qualified and i don't know enough to say that to you know to come out and say that they're giving me incorrect information I've but if
1: they're not following their own information
2: exactly of course that's a problem yeah
1: that's a problem so politicians Follow your own advice. That's that's pretty much <laughs> yeah. the advice that we can give you. Uh, but that was our show for this week. Uh, thank you to everybody that tuned in and that messaged us live. Hannah, thank you so much for being here today. Uh, it was a pleasure having you. What'd you think?
0: Oh, it was amazing. I Absolutely love it. I love to come back again. I love having conversations and you know productive dialogue with people who believe the same things or different, and that's how we make the world a better place. Agreed. Listen to one another,
1: and, and that's a, that's 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 what the show is all about. Uh, christina and anna it's been a pleasure as always
3: thanks thank you elliot
1: my amazing expert so-called panel (laughs) next week guys next week is the season nine finale of the rabin report so do not miss it it's going to be so quickly i know it's it's going to be a very spicy topic that we will announce obviously next monday And uh, it's going to be right here, same day, same time, almost the same people. That is, if we don't get locked down. I'm Elliot Rabin. Have a good night, everyone. (laughs)